right, well, I wanna welcome all of our campuses to the second week of our series entitled, You'll Get Through This. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us, all the men and women at the St. Tammany Parish Jail, Orleans Justice Center, and all of our campuses. We are teaching through uh, the book of Philippians. You know, as I was preparing uh, my message this week, I began to think about the concept of strong. I want you to just think about this for a moment. If I say, what do you think about when you think of the word strong? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? It could be, it could be an animal. I, I was watching a, a, something on TV recently and I saw the strength of an elephant. It is amazing, just the physical strength. It could be that. It could be something that's like steel, something that you, those of you that are in the building industry, you know, there's one product, but then there's steel. I mean, you, it's just so impossible to break that. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's an individual. Those of you that are history buffs, you read about World War II, you know, just these, these generals that are amazingly strong individuals that were able to, to handle intense pressure. Maybe it's Superman. I, I love Superman as a kid. Do we have any Superman lovers in the house? Come on, anybody? Look, I, I used to love everything about him, flying through the air. I used to try to do that. Matter of fact, I would try to run into walls. My brother and I would try that. Doesn't work. Doesn't, doesn't work at all. There, there's something about strength. There's something about us as human beings, how we're drawn to strength. And we want to be strong, and we want to be around that which is strong. Now, I'm going to ask one more question. I want all of our campuses, Baton Rouge, South Shore, Gulf Coast, all those online every week, I want you to just respond, all right? This is one simple, one-time raise hand. How many of y'all, this is primarily for the men, all right? Could be some of the ladies, but how many men said when you were a young boy in your neighborhood that your dad could beat up your friend's dad? Come on, how many of y'all remember that? You know, my dad will beat up your dad. Now, he could have been 130 pounds, and that guy could have been a bodybuilder, but it doesn't matter to a kid. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's something. You just want to feel like, my dad will beat your dad up. Why is that? Because there's something on the inside of us that wants to be drawn to strength. We are teaching through the book of Philippians, and in this message today, I want to talk to you about strength from God's perspective. The truth is, some of you have felt like to be strong, you've got to be super mom, super dad, super single person, super this, super that, super grandparent, super what. But the reality is wearing the cape has tired you out. You're tired from wearing the cape. You're tired from feeling this role that you've got to be this certain role that I've got to be strong in all situations. I've got to put my best foot forward. The problem is, here it is, the problem is you can't do it. Question is, how does the Bible view strength? Does the Bible view strength the way that we view strength? What is God's concept of strength? In the book of Philippians, Paul, the apostle, is writing from a jail cell in 60 AD. He's writing back to a church, the church of Philippi, that he started in 50 AD, 10 years prior to this moment. He planted this church. You can read about it in Acts chapter 16. I gave a little bit of backdrop last week. He planted this church 10 years prior to this moment, and he's writing a letter back to them to encourage them. Watch. He's encouraging them to stay strong in faith. He's thanking them for their, their missionary gifts to help them, 
to help Paul preach the gospel. He's, he wrote the letter also to defend his friend Epaphroditus that had delayed in his return. Paul's writing this letter as a, a commendation, as an encouragement, as a, as, a, as a love letter to a church that he cares about deeply, but also to a church that he's concerned about. Because that church like us today, we, we have wrong concepts of what strength is. Is strength based upon physical strength? Is it based upon military strength? Is it based upon political strength? Is it based upon intellectual strength? What is strength according to God's perspective? Because if we understand strength from God's perspective, here's what I know. We'll get through this. But if we try to get through it, what is it? Your it is different than my it. What is the thing that you're dealing with? The thing you're dealing with is different than what your neighbor's dealing with. But here's what I know. If you try to get through this, whatever this is for you, in your own strength, you can't do it. And it'll buckle you. But if you learn to put on God's strength, if you learn to do it God's way, you'll get through this. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I want to talk to you today about understanding strength from God's perspective. It's interesting. I, uh, I enjoy working out. I like working out. Um, I'm not a big, I mean, it's not like I'm, do competitions. I know that y'all probably thought I did, but, uh, but here's the deal. If you go, if you go to the gym, you really don't get strong by just, you know, drinking energy drinks. There's this person that goes to gym. They drink like three energy drinks, like while they're there. And then they just walk around and talk to everybody because they have so much adrenaline on the head. I'm like, you actually have to do something. That's kind of how it works. You gotta, you can't just look the part. You got to do the part. All right. So um, I've, I've tried to stay, you know, relatively in shape. And so I've tried to work out over the years and real heavy when I was young. And, and so I'll do a combination of free weights and machines. And I do now free weights bench press. And, and for anybody that works out at any level, you know exactly what I'm about to say. That kind of the standard thing, all right, for bench pressing is you take two 45s, you put it on a bar that's 45, and that equals how much weight? Say it. 135. So everybody had said that without just immediately adding that up. You, you understand free weight bench press. So that's kind of the, you start and then you just go from there. Well, I, I, I've started there and I've just kind of stayed there. And so this guy, so I'll see people from time to time uh, at our church, and, and so I walk by, Pastor, man, so good to see you. Oh, man, you know, it's a good message, you know, you know, and oh, thank you. And oh, man, hey, oh, I got a question. I said, yeah, so I'll, I'll try to be as accommodating as I can. But it's funny, it came out one day, I said, Pastor, it's, it's like, you, you, you know, when are you going to put on some more weight? I really liked you. Where did you go to church before Church of the King? I have. Because I stick with this way. I, I don't, I, it's like it's, it's, it's so, but I do it more reps. So I, went, I start with six times, then I go eight times. But the reality is, and, and again, I, I, I don't know all this science, but I know some of you are real smart with science. And what they tell me is, is that when you work out, there's a little tearing of microfibers in your muscles, and there's a tearing down in order to position your muscles to be built back up. So, in other words, in other words, in other words, if you want to grow your physical muscles, so what, I've, what I understand, you've got to increase the weight. That's what I understand. If you want to grow, you can't just, you can't just stay where you are. 
So in other words, more weight has to come on the bar in order to grow physically. You know, the same thing is true spiritually. If you want to stay where you are, if you just want to kind of stay locked in, some people have been saved. You know, I, I talked to, I say this respectfully, a guy been saved 30, 40 years. He goes, man, I've been saved 40 years. I said, my question is not how long you've been saved. It's what have you done while you're saved? Have you grown in God? Some people are stuck in a holding pattern year one. Now they're in, but they've not really grown. Because if you and I want to grow spiritually, we've got to understand, we've got to understand weight. We've got to understand what do we do with the weight. In other words, things that happen in our lives, the troubles that come, the trials that come, the circumstances, that's a great opportunity if we see it from God's perspective that we can understand that there's some more weights coming on the bar. The issue is, do we know how to lift the weight? Do we respond correctly when the weight comes? Do we get mad that there's more weight? Why is this happening to me? It's not happening to my neighbor. It's not happening to this person. I do everything right, and yet I'm going through this situation. It could be that you don't understand the power and the principle of added weight. Because without going above 135, I'm not going to really grow. i got to put some more weight on the bar. And without understanding how to navigate through life and dealing with the weight of trials and the weight of tribulation and the weight of troubles, that we've got to learn how to do it God's way. We've got to learn how to engage and push through. Everybody say push through. We've got to learn how to do it God's way. If we do, we grow. We grow. If we don't, we atrophy. If we don't, we, 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 we go backwards. I don't want to go backwards. Jesus gave us a promise in John chapter 16. Here's what he said. This is a great promise. These things I've spoken to you that in me, you're going to have peace. That's good, right? I would love for it to stop right there. In me, you'll have peace, Jesus said. But in this world, you're going to have some trouble. That's weight. Everyone say weight. In this world, you're going to put some weight. There's going to be some weight put on your bar. But be of good cheer because I'm going to teach you how to push the weight. I'm going to teach you how to grow spiritually to not despise the weight, not despise the trouble, but to allow the trouble to actually grow your spiritual muscles. Because I don't want you to stay where you are. I want you to grow. I want you to get stronger. doesn't matter how successful somebody is in one endeavor. God is, God is, God is responsible, and God wants us to respond appropriately when weight comes. God teaches us in his word how to push and grow with the weight. As a Christian, I have a desire to grow. As a father, I want to grow. As a husband, I want to grow. As a leader, I want to grow. As a man, every part of who I am, I want to grow. But one of the things I realize is there's no growth without added weight. And when the weight comes, we got to know how to lift it. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to talk about the back half of that chapter. And I want to talk about four ways that we respond when weight comes. Again, I'm using weight synonymous with adversity, trouble, tribulations. How do we, quote, build our spiritual muscles? Paul would say there's a certain way to do it. There's a certain way to push the bar. There's a certain way that we cooperate with God. There's a certain way to respond. There's a certain way. We've got to cooperate with God's spiritual exercise system if we want to grow. Number one, four ways to respond to adversity. Philippians chapter 1 Verse 12, Paul says this, 
But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have actually turned out, that have happened to me, have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. I'll give you the context one more time. Paul is writing while he's in prison. He's not sitting on a veranda looking over a beautiful mountainside. He's actually in house arrest, that's what it would be considered at that time, with the Praetorian Guard, the Roman elite guard that are watching over Paul. Paul's in prison, and Paul is in chains. And, and Paul says, hey guys, I want you to understand something. I understand the principle, I understand the principle of trials and tribulations and troubles and adversity. The things that have happened to me, can you say that about the things that have happened to you? Can I say that? The things that have happened to us, that situation that we had at work that we despised it and we compared ourselves with everybody else and got mad at God because God, it happened to me, but it didn't happen to them. The things, the things that have happened to me, what has happened to you? What would happen to you? You guys know Peter went to jail for preaching the gospel, right? Y'all remember that? Peter went to jail for preaching the gospel. The church prayed. He got released by an angel. Paul's sitting in there for years. You ever thought about that, Paul? Going, What's up? You got to like me better than Pete. That dude's got a big mouth. Come on, are y'all with me or not? You don't think these people are real? I mean, what's up? Why Pete gets out? Why does Pete? He's a fit. I mean, come on, Jesus. Why am I? The things. Everyone say things. Can you see the things that come into your life from a different perspective? The things. Paul said the things that have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Number one, Paul had an incredibly positive attitude into his life. Paul understood the power of a positive attitude of where you set your mind. Paul was a cup half full guy, not half empty guy. In other words, Paul, Paul was always somebody that would see it, see his life and see what happened to him and see the adversity. And I told you last week that Paul was stoned three times by rocks left for dead, and he got back up by the power of God. In other words, Paul went through some stuff. But every time he went through stuff, every time he went through things, he understood that was weight that God was allowing to be put on my bar because God wanted me to grow spiritually. Paul understood that. And he told those guys, he told the church, he's in jail and he's writing this letter. He's like, listen, I, I want you to understand something. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I, I, I mean, I want you to pray for me, but I don't want you to feel sorry for me. Don't murmur, don't complain, because I've realized that these dark circumstances right now that I'm facing, year after year, sitting in jail as an innocent man, some way, somehow, it's going to turn for my good and God's glory. Somehow, do you have that perspective? I saw something this summer, and it just blew me away. And I actually saw the interview of a guy that was in prison. I know we have a lot of prisoners and people in jail that are watching us right now. And he was actually innocent, and he'd served 17 years. And they interviewed him when they got out, when he got out. And he'd been innocent. They did some evidence. They realized, my gosh, the guy. And his attitude, his attitude. Of course, he was crying. And his attitude when he got out, there's something about holding on to God even in the midst of that. By the way, whether you're in a physical prison or whether you're in some other type of prison, how I many you know we've got to hold on to God right in the middle of that? We can't let go of God in the middle of that. God doesn't want to, God's not letting go of us. 
But how often our attitude, Paul's in prison, but we get stuck in traffic and we're upset. Come on, pastor, now you're getting real close. Paul's in prison, but we, 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 we have somebody cut in front of us. Paul's in prison, and yet the waitress or the waiter doesn't come quick enough. Paul's in prison, and he's got a good attitude, and yet, yet, yet we didn't get that extra whatever it is that we thought we were going to get at work. Paul's in prison. Paul's in prison. The issue is whether you're in a physical prison, whether you're in whatever type of confinement you may be in, based upon your understanding or perception of that, the reality is you have a choice to remain positive and see that God is using this thing using it for my good and his glory number two we've got to remain purposeful I'm just teaching through the book of Philippians I'm going to be doing this for six more weeks and I'll, I'll teach and then I'll extract some different principles Philippians 1 verse 13 so, it, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard Paul said this watch how Paul's responding to adversity Paul's responding to the weight on the bar. So it's become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Wait a minute, Paul. Well, that's a perspective. No, your chains are Roman chains. No, Paul said these aren't Roman chains. These are chains in Christ. In other words, God has allowed me to be here. Oh, I know that blows some people away. But, but Paul says, no, no, my chains, my chains are really in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord having become confident by my chains. In other words, people are hearing about that I'm in jail. They're much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains. These are physical chains that he had, guys. But the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached in this I rejoice. In other words, Paul, in spite of the adversity, in spite of the trouble, in spite of the circumstances that he was in, Paul remained purposeful. He never lost his sense of missions. Watch this. He never compromised his values, priorities, and his purpose. He understood what he was about. He understood the call of God on his life. How often we lose sight of God's call right when a little buffeting comes into our lives. Go through a little adversity. Something doesn't happen the way that we want. We start seeing ourselves as a victim rather than an overcomer. We start seeing ourselves as someone who's disadvantaged rather than highly advantaged. We start seeing ourselves. We all do this. We go through something. Paul said, listen. The whole palace guard sees this. I'm going to make a statement. It's going to sound radical. Paul's chains were not Roman chains. Ultimately, Christ chained him to allow him to be there. Here's my hypothesis. Here it is. I'll start with a question. Here's my question. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? Here's the thought. Could it be? This is a whole different way of seeing problems. Could it be that God himself put Paul there because Paul wouldn't sit down and write the things that God wanted him to write? Paul's hyperactive. I mean, Paul was A-D-H-H-H-H-H-H-H-D. Paul's preaching. He's all over the place. He's in Europe. He's in Asia. He's back and forth. He's in Rome. I mean, he could have got off. By the way, you know Paul could have got off and he goes, I appeal to Caesar. 
I mean, Paul is confrontational. He's hyper. He's confronting Peter. He's back and forth. He's all over the place. And, and God's saying, hey, 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 I need you to sit still and write some stuff down for me because there's going to be some people thousands of years from now at Church of the King. They need to read something. I'll get to it in a minute, Jesus. I'm too busy preaching. I'm too, no, 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 no. Paul, Paul, really, Paul, Paul, I knocked you off a horse once. I'll get to it, Jesus. I'll get to it, Jesus. i get to it, Jesus. All right, you know what? Put him in prison. Now that's a thought. I got nothing else to do. I already shared Jesus with that same guard 35 days in a row. I'm just going to write. I'm going to write. Let me think about all the churches that I went to. Let's start with Philippi. Okay, hey, guys. <clears throat> all right, listen. It's become evident to the whole palace guard, that guy right there, <laughs> and to all the rest of you guys, that my chains are really in Christ. Because if I wanted to, I'd pray God would set me free out of this place like he did Peter. Maybe not. He likes Peter better. But anyway, could it be that God allowed that and actually designed it? Why? Because, listen, because God wanted Paul to write. Paul stayed purposeful in the gospel. How quickly we get off course. We lose sight of our calling. We lose sight of God's, God's hand upon us. We, lo we lose sight of it. Single person, start dating somebody. You think something's happening, man. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. I think God's in it. God's blessed it. And, and I want to say this very respectfully. I, I, look, I mean, I'm not where you are, but I was single from 19 to almost 27. As an adult, I, I was single, all right? And so I, I, there's a little bit of a connection there. I do understand at some level, at 25, at 26, at 20, people that love you, are you going to get married? Are you okay? Is anybody in your life? I get it. You have a relationship with somebody and you think it's going to happen and it doesn't happen and there's a bang, you're like, that's it. There's no God. There's no God. You broke up. He was a jerk anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That's church. I apologize. I... We're going to let a job change get us mad at God? Are y'all with me or not? We can't get off course because of that. We can't get off course because of that. Man, I got a lot to say about that. I better go on before I get in trouble. Number two, stay purposeful. Number three, here we go. Maintain perspective. Maintain perspective. Philippians chapter one, verse 19, 26. I'm just reading through. Here it is. Man, this is so rich, so powerful. I'm talking about, I'm talking about how to get through this. This is what this series is about. Every week, I'm gonna teach you. No, last week was how to have joy in spite of your circumstances. This week is how to tap into God's strength. Stay with me. I'm about to go there. I'm giving you the clarity, the understanding. Three, we've got to maintain proper perspective. We've got to stay positive in the gospel. Number two, we've got to stay purposeful in spite of what happens to us. Number three, we've got to maintain perspective. Philippians chapter one, verse 19, for I know that this will turn out. Here it is. This will turn out. What will turn out? Being in jail. It'll turn out for my deliverance through your prayer. By the way, don't ever stop praying for people that are hurting. Because your prayers God hears and your prayers release the power of God. That's what Paul said, for your prayers and the supply of the Spirit. The supply of the Spirit, listen, the, 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 the glory of God, the presence of God invading somebody's life, somehow, someway God's invited us into partnership where our prayers release God's power. 
Somehow, I don't understand all that, but somehow when we pray for people, things happen. Listen, don't stop praying for me. I need prayer. Ask my wife. I need a lot of prayer. Paul says, through your prayer in the, in the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation, watch this, and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, Paul said, as always, so now also Christ. Let him be magnified in my body, whether by life, boy, he's talking about a perspective. Whether by life, if I live, remember, they've got him in prison, contemplating whether or not to take his head off. They ultimately do, but not during this. There's another set of prison epistles that are written. Second Timothy was the last one that killed him after that. But he had more ministry between then and that. He's got a number, number of years, 15, 20 years left when he's writing this. Whether they take my head off or not, Paul says, I'm going to rejoice. Look at verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ. But if I die, I'm in the presence of God. I gain. Boy, isn't that a good perspective? But if I live on in the flesh, it'll mean fruit for my labor. In other words, if I live on the flesh, if God keeps me here. In other words, as long as I have a pulse, I have a purpose. And if God wants to keep giving me a pulse, Paul says, then I'm going to keep, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep maintaining my purpose. I'm going to stay in the game. I'm going to keep, listen, fulfilling what God has as long. But if he takes my pulse, I'm in the presence of God. This means fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Paul says this, guys, I'll be honest. I'm hard pressed between the two. Sometimes I want to depart and go be with Jesus. You ever felt like that before? Going through a hard time, you're like, let me just try to help the rapture. If I could just kind of do this. All right, let me just read the book of Revelations. I'm going to jump again. All right, here we go. I know what that's like. Man, you're going through a hard time. You're like, Jesus, come quickly like now. If I could just go to heaven. That's what Paul said. If I could just go to heaven. Heaven's an amazing place. But if I stay here, if I stay here, I know God's only given me a pulse because I still have a purpose and I'm here not for me but for others. By the way, that's an important thing. Why God has you here is not just for you, it's for others. By the way, that'll help you deal with depression and suicidal thoughts. Just remember that. Last week was Suicide uh, Prevention Week nationally. We need you, everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. Come on, just say that. Now I want you to look to your second choice and say, you need me. Come on. Come on, say it. You need me. <laughs> okay? Second choice. Second choice. Second choice. That's it. We need you. Because as long as you're here, guess what? God has a purpose for your life. I know sometimes we want to depart and be with Christ in eternity, and that's coming. It's coming sooner than I thought. I can't believe I'm 50. That's an old man. How many remember when you were a teenager thought, that dude's 50. He's like, he's old. Come on, how many of y'all remember that? It's like, that guy's old. Can't believe this. But some of y'all are older. I calls it like I see it. Come on, are y'all with me? says, if I depart, I'm going with Jesus. But if I stay here, 
really not for me, it's for you guys. Something about, about being around believers that understand the reality of eternity. Something about living, watch this, living in light of eternity. Eternity. Millions and millions and millions of years. There's a great missionary, his name was Wayne Myers, and I went to college, then I went to Bible school, then I actually went to seminary after Bible school. And when I was in Bible school, it was a two-year Bible school, it was a missionary training school, and when I was there, there was a great missionary named Wayne Myers. And i never forget when Wayne, by the fact, he's still alive. You can Google it. I think he's 97, 98. He was, a, he was a, an American that was a missionary in Mexico. Planted thousands of churches. Thousands. The stories. Oh, gosh. And I'll never forget, he talked about living with a heavenly perspective. And he, and he said one of the things that he does is when he starts, listen, feeling sorry for himself because of the pain that he's dealing with. And he starts comparing himself and he starts getting down on himself. He starts getting down on life. One of the things that he does is he writes out, listen, on cards, the word temporary. Everybody say temporary. And he says, I start putting temporary on different things in my house. I put temporary on the chairs. That's temporary. That thing's gonna go away. He says, that, that, that temporary, everything's temporary. See, there's something about understanding and living with a pilgrim mindset. Remember the word pilgrim, if you're an American, pilgrims came to America. Where that term is extracted from is in the Bible where, where, where Peter and Paul talk about that we are, pilgrim, or we are pilgrims, sojourners. In other words, a pilgrim is somebody that's passing through. You're passing through, I'm passing through. This life, I don't care if you live 80, 90, 100. I saw one of our great World War II veterans in New Orleans, 110 years old. I saw that this week. That's old, but that's nothing in light of eternity. We're passing through. And when we're going through a hard time, we've got to say, everybody say temporary. temporary. This is not lasting forever. We're passing through this. We're moving through this life. I remember when I was 10. I remember when I was 20. I remember when I was 30, 40. Now I'm 50, and, and I'll be 60. And I, it's, I, it doesn't matter how long I live. I'm not going to live for eternity on this earth. What are you struggling with today? You feel like this is forever. No, it's not. It's temporary. It's temporary. I'll close with this. Paul, Paul would say to us, remain positive, guys. Every situation in your life, listen, when weight gets on the bar, realize it's for your good and God's glory. Number two, Paul would say, stay purposeful. Don't let, a, don't let a trial, a trouble, a circumstance knock you off of the call of God in your life. I'm not talking about being a pastor. That's my call. That's not your call. But you're called to love God. You're called to make a difference. You're called to, to, be, a, to be a soul winner and a kingdom-influenced person. Don't let a busted relationship, don't let a job situation, don't let, don't let a, tr a challenge with a kid, don't let anything move you off of being purposeful in your call. Paul would also say maintain proper perspective. We ought to, listen, we ought to have one hand reaching into heaven and eternity, one hand still on earth. I'm ready, Jesus, whenever. But as long as I have a pulse, I've got a purpose, and I'm not here just for me, but I'm here for others. 
The last thing Paul would say is this. We want to remain powerful in the gospel. But how do we get power? Philippians chapter 1, I'll close. Verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to you and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. Stand fast in one spirit, he says, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And not only, listen, and not in any way, in any way do I want you to be terrified by your adversaries. I want everybody to hear me at all of our campuses, our South Shore Gulf Coast, our Baton Rouge campus. Paul says, don't you dare be terrified by your adversaries. Don't let the enemies breathing down your throat back you off from what God's called you to be and do. Let my chains, he says, be an encouragement to you. We, we, don't, we don't give in. The Bible says, greater is he that's in us than the devil that's in the world. Maybe it's human opposition. We're not scared. We're confident in God. We're not confident in ourselves, but we're confident in God, Paul would say. When we're confident in God, it's proof to them of perdition, but to you it's salvation, and that from God. Listen to this. For to you it's been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Yes, there's suffering in the gospel. When those weights come on the bar, you're trying to stand for Christ, but your family's making fun of you. You're trying to do the right thing at work and everybody's, quote, doing the wrong thing, yet you're doing the right thing, yet it costs you. There's suffering in the gospel. There's suffering to do the right thing. To do it the right way. It's painful at times. But the rewards ultimately outweigh the cost. Paul would say, having the same conflict which you saw in me, I now hear in you. Here's the point. I wrote this down. This may shock all of us particularly in today's self-reliant culture. But our strength, listen to me, I want everybody to hear me. I'm finishing with this. Our strength, our strength does not come from our strength. But our strength comes from our weakness where we tap into God's strength. Our strength is not our strength. Our strength in God is when we confess. Paul said it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, and he said, my grace, it's God's grace. It's sufficient for you. And my strength, my strength, I want God's strength. My strength, listen, your strength and my strength has limitations. I want everybody to hear me. It has limitations emotionally. You get tapped out. I had a brother, he wrestled when you tap out. In other words, you're about to suffer. We, we all tap out. We tap out. We tap out. We can't go anymore. That's a good thing to tap out. Not tapping out of life, but tapping out of your own strength. Because when you tap out of your strength, listen, you tap into God's strength. You tap into God's power. You tap into his grace. Matter of fact, I want everybody to stand. Pastor, I'm going through a trial. How do I get through this? Let me tell you one way you don't get through it. You don't get through it in your strength. You don't get through it in your wisdom. You don't get through it by the fact that you're a tight, uh, an, an Enneagram 8. Okay, Myers-Briggs, whatever. Disc test D. Type A. None of those things help you when you're going through a trial. Let me tell you what helps you. Tapping out of your strength and tapping into a bigger strength, God's strength. Are you with me? That's the strength. But we trust God. We trust the Lord.
Matter of fact, I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads. Maybe you're in here today and you've never trusted Christ as your savior. I wanna give you an opportunity right now. I'm gonna take one minute. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come forward right now. If you're in this place, say, Pastor, I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not sure if I die today, I'm ready to stand before God. Right where you are, I'm not gonna ask you to come forward. I'm not gonna do anything to embarrass you, but if right where you are, if you say, Pastor, I need Christ. The truth is I've never really confessed Christ as my savior. I've never trusted Jesus as my savior. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of Jesus, the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you, church. The king can't save you. Jesus saves. Do you know Christ? October 27th, 1987 is when I called out to Jesus. I was a freshman at Tulane University. I said, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I need you. I had tapped out of my own strength. And I needed a bigger strength. I needed God to come and to meet me. Do you know Christ? You know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to just ask him to take literally 30 seconds. All of our campuses, you know who you are. Jesus is talking to you by his spirit, drawing you. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up at the count of three? One, two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high. God bless you, sir, right here. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, buddy, up top. Anybody else? Pastor, I need Christ. God bless you, sir, and you, ma'am. Anybody else? God bless you, sir, up top. Anybody else? God bless you guys. God bless you, sir. I believe that God brought you here today, sir. Because he loves you and he cares about you. Is there anybody else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, sir. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, church, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Come on, let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, taking root deep in the hearts of your people. The Bible says all heaven rejoices when one turns. How much more this many? We love you and honor you. In Jesus' name. Give me 15 seconds. If you prayed and trusted Christ as your Savior, there's a card behind your chair. It's called My Decision. I'm going to ask you to fill it out. You can do one of two things. In the, in the com uh, commons area, there's pastors, there's people with blue shirts. You can give it to them. We've got some material or up front. By the way, if you need prayer for anything, we're here for you as a church as well. Bless your people, Lord, as they go forth this day. Teach us, Lord, every day, every day to tap into the strength of the Lord. Lord, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Lord, we love you and honor you. In the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said.